Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer. We're in chapter eight of the story this morning as we focus on the book of Judges and uh, this challenging time in Israel's history that I think is instructive for our time as well. We're finding in the upper and lower story that God is uh, extremely relevant in the ways that scripture ties to our modern day lives. And I hope in our groups we'll have an opportunity to to talk more about that and to discuss uh, how relevant this book is and how it can impact our lives. Let's pray as we open God's word together this morning. Father, we come before you today and we want to learn from this story because we don't want to repeat these chapters. Uh, Israel was not always faithful. They were not always righteous. And we've got to confess that's been true for us as well. But God, we desire to be just and to be righteous. We desire to be a city set on a hill that gives an example to the rest of the world what it means for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven and to see what the abundant life is really like. So God, help us to take these warnings from the story of Israel to apply them to our lives and to live as faithful people. Uh, forgive us for our mistakes, God. And I pray this morning you'd pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. Well, if you want to know what the book of Judges is about, you can do that by reading in just a few verses that really gives a summary of the entire book. And that's uh, in page 104 in your story Bible. It comes in Judges chapter 2, verses 16 through 19. Listen to these words uh, from the book of Judges. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of their raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. These verses describe a recurring cycle that occurs again and again in the story of Israel in this book. Six different times Israel goes through this cycle. Uh, I'm going to refer to the cycle as the promised land cycle. And stage one of the cycle, uh, as it repeats, is disobedience. They forget about Yahweh and they follow and worship other gods. And then comes the punishment phase. God, uh, Yahweh, allows other nations to overtake Israel. 
And then the repentance phase, the people cry out for God to do something and to forgive their sin. And then comes deliverance, the final stage, and God calls a judge to call the people back on track. This is the cycle that Israel will return to again and again and again. And I think, if we're honest, it's a cycle that many of us have come to know. Now, why do I call it the promised land cycle? Well, many of us spend our lives waiting on a promised land of some kind. On the next stage, it'll make things happier and better. And Israel's in that same phase. For us, it looks like this. When I get married, life will finally be on track. When we have kids, things will be where we need them to be. When that job finally comes, when retirement comes, and we spend all our lives waiting on some big promised land that we're hoping will fix our lives. And we build up excitement about what the next stage will be like. But when we finally get to the next big thing, we're silently frustrated that it doesn't live up to our expectations. When Israel entered the promised land, they had a lot of work to do. It wasn't really any easier than the wilderness they'd experienced for 40 years. Now they had to clear out the land. They had to build a nation. It was hard work. And in their dissatisfaction, they sought out other ways to find satisfaction. They served and worshiped other gods. They disobeyed Yahweh. Yahweh handed them over to other nations. They cried out to Yahweh and God sent a judge to deliver them. Now, what comes to mind when you think of judges? This has actually come up recently, right, with the nomination and confirmation of a Supreme Court justice. Maybe you think about a, someone in a black robe with a gavel sitting on a bench. But that's very different from what the biblical judges were like. Judges in those days were the military, political, and spiritual leaders in Israel. Now, why do you think God gave them over to other nations? I've got a theory. I believe God wanted them to experience the futility of their decisions, the futility of their hopes, their idolatry. He wanted them to find out on their own that Baal couldn't save them before he responded to their cries. I don't know about you, but God's done this in my life. Some of us have been down some dark paths. Some of us have made our bad choices, and some of us have had circumstances that happened to us that have put us in dark places that were beyond our control. 2020 has been a dark path for all of us in many ways. And there may be some who would question why and how a good God would, would allow his children to experience so much pain. I mean, why doesn't he just save them from that trouble? But some of you understand this because you've had kids who've walked away from the faith and they've come back to faith. And you realize that you can't force them to follow the path you want for them. Now, none of us want pain to occur in the lives of our kids. But some of you know deep down and well that people have to hit bottom before they see the light and walk away from their destruction. Now, God wanted deep down for Israel to know that Baal could not save them. You know, few things have the ability to change us, like futility and pain. But it is amazing how patterns of sin can stick with us for a long time. You know, most of the time when I hear the word sin, I hear it talked about as if it's like a mistake that we make. It's something we do wrong. And certainly we make mistakes, and that is sin. But sin is bigger than just something we do, a choice we make. It's actually a power in our lives. Sin is not outside of us. It's a power that's actually at work within us. It's very easy to cast stones at people when we think of sin as a bad decision that people make. Just stop doing it. But I hope we can all confess that at times in our lives, if not the majority of our lives, sin is a power that sometimes we just can't seem to break. And there are times when we cry out to God to take our sin away. We confess and repent of our sin and acknowledge we want to turn in a new direction. And let me assure you of something this morning. 
If you wonder if God can forgive your sins because of what you've done, let me put your doubts to rest. God is a gracious God who wants to forgive. But God is not intrusive. He won't pull you out of your sin before you're ready. He won't interfere. But he's glad to help you when he hears the cry of repentance that comes honestly from us. And that's what happens to Israel. They cry out to God and God sends Israel another judge to free them from oppression. Now, before we move on, I want to mention two ways that we can get out of our own promised land cycle. If you're in a cycle of sin that's destroying your life, here are a couple things I want to share. First, breaking free of the promised land cycle may mean going back and asking yourself this question. Are there any of God's instructions that have been left undone in my life? You know, it may be hard for us to look at this story as Americans living in 2020 and hear that God wanted the Canaanites completely wiped out of the land, completely destroyed. But the truth is we don't fully understand. All we know is Israel didn't obey that command from God. Instead of killing off the Canaanites, they made them their slaves, which repeated a cycle they had experienced when they were slaves in Egypt of the Egyptians. See, Israel's shortcut ended up being their undoing. What, so what commands of God are you choosing to disregard and disobey in your life right now? Your cycle of sin may be the result of your refusal to trust God completely. Remember, if you want to know what you believe, look at your actions rather than your words. It's not a just enough to just say we want to follow God. It's important that we follow God's commands. Now, the second way we can get out of the promised land cycle is to pass the baton of faith forward to the next generation. Israel failed to do this. I want to read from Judges chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, just to read this story of Israel making this mistake. It says there, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Harris, in the hills uh, country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Israel's idolatry is tied back directly to the failure of Joshua's generation to pass the story of what God had done in their lives down to the next generation. And because the promised land cycle occurred six different times, I have to guess that there was a failure of several generations to pass on their story to future generations. Think about the cycles, right? Mesopotamia takes over, and then Othniel becomes the judge to save them. And then the Moabites, and then Ehud becomes the judge. They have to learn this again and again. The Canaanites take over, and then Deborah becomes the judge that saves them. And then the Midianites, and then Gideon helps them, and God works through him to save them. And then the Ammonites, and Jephthah becomes the next judge. And then the Philistines, and finally Samson, is that final judge. Six times the cycle repeats itself and Israel seems to just get worse every single time. If you're a parent or a grandparent, one of your greatest challenges and callings is to pass God's story on to your kids and your grandkids. They need to know the story of God. They need to know your story and how God has been faithful to you and to the family throughout the generations. Or maybe you're turning a generational cycle and you need to tell the story of how God worked to change your family's story and how you want it to continue. Every good parent wants their kids to have it better than they had it. Financially, relationally, spiritually, in every way possible. 
And that's the problem in Judges, is there is no growth from generation to generation. It's a cycle that just goes nowhere. They're just circling the drain. They don't grow spiritually. They repeat the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over again. I think it's important that we acknowledge that Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. And that means it's vital that we pass on faith. It's why one of our values at Greenville Oaks is equipping families, because we want to make sure that families are passing on faith and that the baton is passed so that the the future church leaders can continue to lead faithfully in God's kingdom. And yet in the midst of this dark period of time for Israel, God used leaders to lead his people. It's what we've seen so far in the story in every chapter. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And why? I think it's so that he gets the glory. I mean, he used flawed judges in the book of Judges. Think about the leaders. Think about Gideon for a moment, right? I mean, this is a crazy story. He's the least in Israel, the least in his tribe, the least in his family. And they're battling the Midianites. There's 135,000 fighting men that are fighting for the Midianites. There's only 32,000 men for the people of Israel. And God says to Gideon, we've got a problem. And Gideon says, you're exactly right, God. We've got a problem. And God says, we've got too many men. And Gideon says, too many men? No, we don't have enough to fight these people. And God ends up causing Gideon to narrow the fighting men from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300. Ultimately, it's a 450 to 1 ratio between the Midianites and the people of God. And yet God comes through victorious. And then there's Samson. Talk about a flawed leader. Now, growing up, I thought Samson was a hero. I knew he was strong. I knew he was this judge. The way I was told the story in the Bible classes, he was a strong and he destroyed the Philistines. He was a great hero of faith. Did you read his story this week? I mean, how many of you really read it closely? How many of you, after reading it, think that Samson is a hero? I don't think Samson's much of a hero at all. I know he winds up in uh, the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. There are faithful aspects to him. But I think Samson's more of a story of tragedy. He's an anti-hero. It's actually interesting how often I hear people say, Christianity is simple. Just do what the Bible says. And I love that simple thought. But when I read the story of Samson, I think, really? I mean, which part? Do we follow David's lead and commit adultery? Do we follow Jacob and steal your brother's birthright from your blind father? We follow Solomon and marry 700 women? I mean, much of the Bible isn't there so much telling us what to do as much as exactly what we shouldn't do, warning us. It takes discernment to read the scriptures well. And that's why we don't tell certain Bible stories to our children. Samson is a tragic character. Do you know what the worst thing that ever happened to Samson really was? The worst thing that happened to Samson is that God gave him everything he ever wanted and asked, and it ruined him. He gets the wife he wants. He eats honey out of a dead lion, which doesn't seem like a great idea to me. He ties 30 foxtails together and sets them on fire. He kills a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey, and he seems to have his pick of the women. But as strong as Samson was, His weakness was just as strong when it came to pagan women. In the end, God grants one of Samson's requests. You remember it, right? He's he's blind at this point, and he asks for revenge on the Philistines. And God grants him success in his suicide mission. God gives him the strength to kill Philistines, but he also kills himself. 
See, sometimes the worst thing God can give us is everything we want. This is a sad and tragic story. It's the end of a cycle in the story of the judges of Israel's faithlessness again and again. Judges certainly isn't the high point of the story. It's a low point. In fact, look at how the story ends in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. This is the final verse of the entire book. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. What a terrible ending to a book. (laughs) There's no king, there's no leader, and everyone's just doing what they want to do. It ends in the same cycle that's been repeated throughout. Without a leader, Israel self-destructs. And I think that's still true. I think leadership is important. And I'm grateful for the team of ministers and assistants who've done their best to keep Jesus at the center of our lives in the middle of this pandemic. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for Samantha and Wes and all that they have done to try to engage our families in faith development, to continue to engage our students and children in growing in the story of God in the season. I'm, I'm so grateful for them. And I can't tell you how grateful I am for Christopher and Adam and the praise team and the praise band for what they've done to lead us in worship to God all through these last eight or so months. And on and on I could go. I'm grateful for Keith, Galen, and Michelle, and Sandra, and Karen, for Claire, and Jonathan, and Teresa, and Michelle, for what they have done to care for you all as our church and to stay connected. And I'm grateful to our elders for the spiritual care and leadership that they have provided us for the ways that they have cared for our lives. I hope you all are grateful too. And I hope you'll take the time in this season to reach out to our leaders and to let them know how Express your thanks for how grateful you are for the ways they've served in this time, because without leadership, it's a really hard struggle for the people of God. And yet all of us are called to be leaders, leaders in our homes, leaders in our areas of influence. We're all called to be missionaries and people who have the kingdom of God in our minds, first and foremost, and who are spreading seeds of the kingdom wherever we go so that all may come to the abundant life and the eternal life that's been promised in Jesus. So spend some time this week thanking God for the spiritual leaders he's placed in your life. And spend some time also becoming the kind of follower who can lead others well. Because God certainly knows, and I certainly know, we need leadership in this season to lead us to become God's people in faithful ways. I want to close with prayer this morning, and then I'll I'll bless us as we close our time in worship. God, I thank you for this story, not because it's a wonderful and exciting story. Uh, It's a story of tragedy. It's a story of what happens when your people forget you and pursue other things, thinking that's where life is found. And so, God, this morning we repent again, along with Israel, for the sins of omission, the things we've not done that we should have done, and the things we've committed that are not your will. We pray for forgiveness, God. We pray that you would allow us as your people to be the light and salt that shapes our culture all around us. And we pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, and that your church would continue to be your glory, to be your pleasing aroma as we lead uh, in your world to make good out of all that has been done wrong to your creation. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let me close with this, church. May you, my brothers and sisters, generously share the abundance that is yours in Christ Jesus. Go in peace today. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced 
like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Connect with us on Facebook. You can find and like our page at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.